Now that's some exciting people right there. There's a lot of energy there. So we'll be uh, getting ready for it tonight, as you can already see from the foyer and all the work that's going on. By the way, to uh, uh, Cynthia Shelby, our crew that did all the decorate, thank you so much for what you've done. We have a lot of a uh, lot of talented, a lot of talented folks around here, and uh, who are willing to use their talent and work hard for the Lord. Uh, we welcome everyone uh, to our live stream audience, to our uh, other assembly in the Fellowship Center. Thank you for being here today. We're, we're excited that you're here. Uh, and I mentioned a while ago about talented people. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, our singers are very talented. appreciate them using their talents for the Lord. John Perky that leads that group. There's John. Also, last night... Uh, conducted the Monroe Symphony concert. John, congratulations. Great job. So we're looking for uh, great things ahead, brother. If you can conduct that curve, I mean, you know, you might even get Danny Dobbs to sing back there. I don't know, you know. <clears throat> uh, it's good to have everyone, uh, good to have everyone with us. Uh, we want to get started with our scripture reading. Uh, you know, I love our tradition of uh, having scripture reading each day. And so Jordan Young is going to come up and read our scripture. Jordan, by the way, uh, a man after my own heart, he plays trumpet. And I'm, a, I'm an old trumpet player, Jordan. By the way, that's a good biblical instrument. You know, that's what's going to sound when it all comes to an end, right? And uh, he's also in the National Junior Honor Society and he's going to be sharing our scripture with us today. Thank you, Jordan, for doing that. Matthew twenty-six thirty-nine. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Thank you, church. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. What a great young man. Before we get into our lesson in Matthew 26 today, I do want to stop and have a special prayer for the victims of the tornadoes that hit this uh, weekend. A lot of tragedy there. Uh, if you want to donate to that, of course, our relief ministry will be uh, collecting funds to send to uh, uh, the uh, church and individuals up there. And you can do that on onekingdom.org or, or our website and just give to U.S. Storms. And we'll make sure that gets into the hands of folks that need it. Uh, you know, when something like that happens, it always just kind of wakes me up to say, you know, I am really one blessed person, you know. Uh, and uh, and I'm grateful, and I want to be a blessing to other people. You guys have always been such good-hearted people. Our whole church has. Our live stream audience has. Uh, every time there's been a hurricane or a natural disaster somewhere, and we uh, we go and do work, whether it's Haiti or South Louisiana, uh, uh, all those different areas we've worked in, uh, you will always just step up. Some of you actually physically go and do the work in the houses when we can. 
Others give uh, money that allows us to be able to, to put right into the hands of the church in those communities. And, and if you've ever been a recipient of that, it's a very grateful and yet humbling thing. And I always get to be on the good side of that in terms of taking money to different places and putting it in the hands of church leaders. And it is such a blessing to meet brothers and sisters and to see the faith of those who are going through difficult times. And so we want to, especially today, we want to have a special prayer uh, for those uh, that are affected by the tornado. So if you would, bow with me. Father in heaven, we acknowledge you as creator of the universe. A loving father that's sent your son to die for our sins. We're grateful for the hope that we have through the gospel. And Father, while we live and dwell on this old world, we run into these situations where tragedies happen, tough times happen, like this weekend with the tornadoes. Father, for those that have lost loved ones, we pray for comfort and help. Father, for those that have just... uh, have lost everything from businesses to houses to all the physical things in life. I pray you will surround them with your people. That you, Father, will use many, many of your people to be a great encouragement to their heart. We know that the physical things can be built back and bought. And, uh, but, Father, the, the emotional uh, challenge that is there is, is unbelievable. We need your Holy Spirit. And they need your spirit to guide them and to build them up. May they not lose hope in times of difficulty. And may your people rise to the occasion to be a light in darkness and to be people who bring hope to folks that are walking a troubled road. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. We thank you ahead of time for the rescue that's taking place and for how you, Father, may bring even many to the cross through such a difficult time. Bless the churches in those areas as they minister to their communities and watch over them. In Jesus' sweet name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 26. Well, we're getting close to finishing up this whole thing on Matthew, right? We preached, uh, uh, Alan and I preached through this entire book. Some of you are saying we can't wait till it's over, I'm sure. And, uh, but we will be tackling a new book at the uh, beginning of the year in Corinthians, and so we'll give you more about that later. Uh, but we got still got a little work to do here. So, and, and last week was a pretty difficult week. Thank you for hanging in there with me through some really difficult te- text in Matthew 24 and 25. And so uh, uh, this one is not near as difficult in the, in, in the way that those are, but they're still just as challenging. And so uh, this is the preparation of the king as he's headed toward the cro- as he's headed to the cross. And when uh when I think about all the things that Christ went through in a short amount of time, it uh, all of a sudden you know, I I'm amazed at all the human emotions that he went through. Yes, he's God in the flesh, but he's 100% man too. And so he goes through all these difficult things as a, a man. And, uh, and Matthew 26 kind of gets this, the king, the man Christ prepared for what he's fixing to walk into, uh, at the cross. And so, uh, 
in this section, we see, we're going to see worship preparation. We're going to see the Passover preparation. We're going to see prayer preparation. That almost sounds like a, a preacher sermon, doesn't it? I got you all the peas there, right? All right, you got the prep ready to go. What would you do or who would you want to be with when you were facing suffering or betrayal or even death? Well, Jesus for sure, brother. But you think about your friend group. Who do you, who do you want beside you? I've, I've sat in those uh, hospital rooms and held the hands of people dying. I've been in the ER when there's been a tragic wreck and watched moms and dads cry over their kids. I've watched folks gather around. I'll never forget one particular lady. Her name is Jane from Kaufman. When her, the very faithful to her husband who loved evangelism, loved the Lord, when he passed away, we were down at the emergency room with her and we went in with her and she, she brought in her grandchildren. You know, everybody was like, ah, oh, the kids don't need to say, oh, no, no. She said, no, I want my kids in here. So she brought those grandkids in there and she talked about his faithfulness and where he was with the Lord and she wanted them to understand that this isn't the end. And I'm sitting there with her, you know, I'm not, I, I'm there to help comfort, but I'm not being comforted. I'm being inspired by this woman's faith in the middle of losing her spouse who has the wisdom to pull her grandkids into to their faith and their vision and their hope. And I thought, man, that's that's how I want to be. So here's Jesus coming to his last days. And first, sandwiched in between this first thing that happens here and this anointing by Mary, uh, which isn't chronologically late, but Matthew slices it in and sandwiches in between the plot to kill him and Judas. And so look, look at what happens here. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, know the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. He's been telling them over and over. They don't quite get it sometimes. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace by the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. So they're plotting. These are good people. They're plotting how to kill the, the creator of the universe. Now, while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar. Now, we know from John's account this woman is Mary. Uh, and uh, so she kept, well, she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. We see in the other accounts, not only did she pour it on his head, she totally covered him and, and wiped his feet with her hair. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she's done will also be told. She does this incredible act of worship 
with this large amount of perfume that came from the Himalayas that was brought in that was very, very expensive. And it was worth, we find out later in another place, it's worth a year's wages. I don't know what you make in a year. I don't, I don't know that I've never taken a year's wages. I've never written out a check in the amount of the, my year's wages and walked down this aisle and gave it to the kingdom. I've never done that. This woman has done an incredible thing. And what do the disciples do? They're mad about it. Because they say, well, that's a waste. Well, that could feed a bunch of poor people. Now, later on in the other accounts of the Gospels, we find out who started that conversation. It was Judas who was taking care of the treasure who had been pilfering, taking money out of that thing, putting it in his own pocket. So he sees all this available money and value, and he's thinking, man, I could get, give me a little bit of that. And so he has that conversation. Judas influences the other disciples to all of them get indignant and mad about this and say, what a waste. Jesus said, no. Now, Jesus is not making a statement that he doesn't care about the poor. He's saying, you can always take care of the poor. They're always, but I'm only here for a short time. I'm just here now. Don't you dare criticize this woman's worship. Have you ever had somebody squash your worship? Maybe it's not giving money and anointing someone. Maybe it's just you lift your hands up and praise God. Have you ever had anybody just squash your worship? These disciples have been with Jesus the whole time. They're just, they're, they're all of a sudden in disdain of how this woman has come and worshiped Jesus Christ. What they should have been saying is, let me in on that kind of worship. She's teaching me something. Instead, they get mad about it. All because the money. Isn't it amazing how much that'll influence people? The money. It was worship versus waste. And worship won. She poured out her heart in worship and in doing so prepared Jesus for the road he had to go down for his death and his burial. Now, remember, before there's a group plotting. And now look what he says. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas, went to the chief priest. Now he goes to this group that gathered up and asked, what are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 silver coins. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. He looked for an opportunity to hand him over. I, I, think, I think one thing I get out of this that I need to be reminded of when I read this text. The first few verses where they plotted, the chief priests are plotting against Jesus. And then over here where you see Judas... I need to understand and be reminded that evil men do exist for evil purposes. I need to remember 
Evil is a real thing in this world, and there are evil men plotting against the kingdom of God. And they'll do anything they can to defeat it. I think sometimes we kind of blunder through life just like, well, everything's great, it'll be okay, and we don't realize there, there, we're in a war. We're not on a cruise ship, we're on a battleship. And there's a war that's taking place even in the unseen world. And we battle against darkness, and we battle against evil. And evil men are used to do evil things against the kingdom of God. And Judas is one of those guys. Well, next, all of a sudden, Jesus, along with Judas, takes this Passover to prepare. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. The disciples are told to prepare the Passover for Jesus, but Jesus uses the Passover to prepare them for his death. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go to the city a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I'll tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They're very sad and begin to say to him, uh, one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it's you. And while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it, saying, Drink from it, all of you, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I'll tell you, I'll not drink of this fruit of the vine uh, from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the mount of olives. So they gather up for this Passover, the Jews, what he's, what he'd done time and time again, to remember the rescue God brought about for the Jewish nation from Egypt. And now Jesus all of a sudden turns the, their, their normal Passover event in, into preparation for what's fixing to go on. And he says, this, this, this bread, now it's my body. And the blood, this fruit of the vine, it's the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of sins. We do this communion every Sunday in our tradition at this church. And I often think about that because I've had people, well, my, doesn't that get old if you take it over and over again? Well, I, I mean, I guess you, it could to you if you just did it by habit. Although, by the way, it's a great habit. To be remembering God, right? Every week. But the nourishment that we get from this Lord's Supper that started back as the Passover. That nourishment that we get that reminds us of his body, his physical body that was shed, but also his body right here. You, 
you in the pew, you in the chair, you all over in the sound of my voice, you're his body. So we're not only remembering him and what he did, we're remembering all the people he did it for. We're all in this thing together. Communion is a one another thing. And we remember the body and the blood of Christ. You see, there are two things we physically do that tie us directly to the gospel. The story of the death, burial, and resurrection. One is baptism. When we reenact the death, burial, and resurrection in baptism, that ties that is a tie directly to the gospel, something physically we do. And the other thing we consistently physically do is the Lord's Supper, remembering His body and His blood that ties us back to the gospel. One initiates our journey and the other nourishes us for our journey. And this nourished Jesus in preparation for his journey to the cross. Well, he uses the Passover as an opportunity to disclose who would betray him. To have that close conversation with Judas. Can you just imagine being Judas? You've plotted. You've stole. You've consorted with the enemy. (laughs) Now now you're sitting right here in the middle of this Passover. And you can still claim to him. Hey, you've seen him do all these things. And you're still going to say to him, hey, not me. When you knew full well it was you. Well, after the Passover takes place, or while it's going on, Jesus says to him, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it's written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Peter's just like, no, not me. Not me. Have you ever been that guy? Have you ever been Peter that said, I'll never do that. And then you find yourself a few hours later doing it. Have you ever had, you've been that guy? I'll never, I'll never take another drink. Three hours later, he's I'll never say that again. And then you say it again. I'll never do I mean, we make those strong statements, right? And I think we make them out of good heartedness. We really want to try to do the right thing sometimes. Peter, uh, he's good hearted in a lot of ways. But guess what? He is more than good hearted. He's also weak. He's a weak, broken human just like me and you and everybody in the sound of my voice. We're just a bunch of broken people. We're trying to serve God, and we really like to sound a loud voice. I'll never do that, God. But you know what? I love the fact that Peter ends up being the bold one that preaches the first sermon when the church starts. I like that. This guy that's declared so boldly and yet has fallen so far when he denies him. It's interesting, he says, you'll disown me three times. This very night before the rooster crows. 
I've often thought about that. You know how Peter must have been after all this. You reckon he killed a few roosters in his day? I mean, if it's me, I can't stand. If I'm him, I can't stand to hear a rooster crow after this. I'm like, oh, no, no, we're getting rid of that thing. Yet God used him mightily to preach the gospel to the world. To preach that first sermon in Acts 2 and 3,000 people end up dripping wet because they're baptized into Christ and go off to change the world. I don't ever want to deny Jesus. I don't want to say the things Peter said. But at least I can look and know that in my own human weakness and brokenness, even when I've blown it, God can still use me down the road. It ain't about perfection. It's about direction. And God can still use me and he can still use you. Well, then he goes to be prepared with prayer. He goes to the place called Gethsemane. Jesus went with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane. He said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be. Now, notice the words that are used to describe the humanness of Christ. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I need you. I'm full of sorrow. I'm overwhelmed to the point of I need you. Stay with me. Watch with me. If I knew I was going to my death, I would want somebody beside the bed with me. Somebody hold my hand. Somebody join me in prayer. Somebody help me out. And Jesus takes those that are closest to him with him. And going a little farther, he falls down. Look here. He's on his face now. Have you ever been so distraught and sorrowful that you, you, you do this? He just falls down on his face to the ground and he prays. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So he went away a second time and prayed. Now he prays the same thing. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And he came back again. He found them sleeping again because their eyes were heavy. You ever had heavy eyes? Hey, that was for the heavy eyes out there right now. Some of you are heavy right now. Yeah, I see you out there. You do this right here. You know, it's kind of one of those deals where you kind of lean to your head. Your head bobs a little bit and then you kind of wake up and go like, oh, yeah, like I was listening, you know. I know you're doing your best. I've fallen asleep in my own sermons a few times. <clears throat> so he said, uh, so he left them there and he went away once more and he prayed the third time saying the same thing. And he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleepy and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. 
So Jesus has those closest to him in his deepest moment at the garden. And even though they're weak and they're sleeping and they're struggling, he still gathers them around him. He loves them. I mean, who do you want around you when you're suffering? The two things I want you to get out of this prayer is notice about Jesus. His humility and his submission. He is humble and yet he is submissive to the will of God. That he, I, he doesn't want that cup. It's tough. That cup's full of suffering. It, the cup is full of heartache. Yet he, if it's God's will that he takes it, then he'll willingly take it. He'll humbly take it. And he does. God, if, it, if there's any other way, but there's no other way. There's no other way for you to be saved without the death of Jesus. Because his blood pays the price for your sin and mine. There's no other way. He knows he's going to die and the human man inside him is full of sorrow. He's overwhelmed. He's gathered people he loves around him. And he, but he knows it's God's will. And he submits to it as he's headed to his death. And he knows it's a death on the cross. And he said it that way. Not my will, but yours. Facing death successfully requires humility and submission to the will of God. Well, how's your preparation been for death? You see, his death makes our preparation for death a whole lot easier. See, we prepare by faith. We prepare understanding the grace of God. We prepare for death knowing that, hey, we've done worse than Peter. And where our broken lives have been messed up. But you know what? Jesus gathers us up and loves us anyway. His grace is greater than your greatest weakness. And his mercy is greater than your greatest sin. He loves you that much that he died for your sins. So prepare yourself. Prepare yourself like she did with worship. Extreme worship, luxury worship. I mean, just offer to God everything. Prepare yourself with communion with people you love. Prepare yourself understanding that to be humble and submissive is to be like Jesus. Jesus will not fall asleep on you, even though we've fallen asleep on him. And he will still be there in the lowest moments of your life. It's easy when everything's going great and everything's exciting. You've got a lot of blessings. It's easy to say, hey, praise God. Man, we're glad to be here. But I'm telling you what, to wake up this morning and your house is blown away by the tornado. And to open up your Bible and somehow be able to still say, thank you, God. Faith in difficult times 
means I understand that I submit to the will of God and His grace is more than enough for my physical problems and my spiritual problems and my emotional problems. His grace is more than enough. Paul wrote in Romans about this thing called hope. I want to read you this one verse as we close today. In the book of Romans, in chapter 15, verse 13, this is, this is kind of one of my go-to verses when I don't understand why things are happening around me. He says this, May the God of hope, remember hope in the Bible is an expectation, assurance, or confidence. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. A lot of talk about those words in Christmas time, right? May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in Him. Why? Look here. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know the reason we can minister to people and to one another and to others in dire situations? We are over overflowing hope that spills out into the lives of other people. And it's not by our energy, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why you can have joy and peace even facing death. I can have joy and peace. I have an overflowing hope. And it's not based on my it's not based on my works. It's not based on my labor. It's not based on the strength of my faith even. I'm just trusting God. And I have this hope that comes not because I love Him. This overflowing hope is a result of Him loving me. And sending His Son to the cross to die for me. Overflowing hope. That's what you can have today. If you turn your life over to Christ. If you have a need today, come while we stand and sing.